Hi there, this is Karen, and you have landed on the Woman Inspired Podcast. That's right, I'm the woman, and I am inspired. (laughs) I hope it inspires you as well. I'm your host of this podcast every single time you listen to it. You can find out more about uh, what's going on with me, where I'm speaking, and how to schedule me to speak at your next event or on your podcast by going to womaninspired.com and all my social media links, few as they are, are out there if you want to hop on out to social media and connect with me. So I'm glad you joined me today. Again, hopefully this will inspire you with some true life stories and all sorts of little things, uh, words from the Bible, some truths, some prayers, some humor. That's what I'm here for. I try really hard to step back and let the Holy Spirit take over. Uh, If you haven't listened to it as of yet, you can check out all the other Women Inspired podcast episodes by going to the Women Inspired website and clicking on the podcast player. Or you can look in any old quality podcast program platform there is. Podbean, Spotify, Google, Apple, Audible, iHeart, you name it, we're on there. All right. So you can also follow us. And I, by me, and I mean, by us, I mean me. <laughs> this is one of those days. Have you ever had a day where you're tripping over your words? Which is ironic because this podcast today is about words. <laughs> uh, they, they've been on my mind the last uh, few uh, weeks. So the last few podcasts have been about words, the word, the power of words. So today's podcast episode is titled word power. But before I get into that, I would love for you to join me this week. As I dig into the podcast on accessmore.com, they have a treasure trove of podcasts there. If you like this one, you're sure to find something out there that you'll like as well. They have lots to choose from in a safe space to search for them. They have everything from education to theology, sermons, encouragement, how-to podcasts, humorous podcasts, relationship podcasts, you name it, it's pretty much out there. And after you're finishing, finished listening to this podcast, hop on out to their, to their, I mean, accessmore.com, to them, accessmore.com, hop on out there. I am sure that you will find something that you love. All right. Thank you for doing that. Uh, Right now we're going to start out today's podcast titled Word Power with a pod quote. It's, you know, it's just a snippet of encouragement, something that's maybe thought provoking that I've come across or that I've stored in my memory bank, sometimes serious, sometimes funny that I like to share with you. So today's first pod quote is from Joyce Meyer. Words are containers for power. You choose what kind of power they carry. I like to repeat that sometimes because sometimes it doesn't always land the first time. All right. Words are containers for power. You choose what kind of power they carry. That's good. All right. And my second quote is straight from Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So pardon me if I stumble over more words, but this is just me. Real, transparent, raw, sometimes raw sometimes just ridiculous. All right. But there's this old saying we learned when we were little kids, sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will never hurt us. Well, that saying might've been fun to chant and throw around at someone who's bullying you when you were younger, but it's actually not true. 
it's a nice little sing-songy platitude, and sometimes it does help kids to know that, hey, wait a minute, I don't have to let somebody else else's words hurt me. But the fact is that words, they do hurt. In fact, words don't just hurt, but words can also heal. Yeah, words have power. They can slice, they can dice, but they can also fix. Uh, I'm one who believes strongly that your actions have to match your words, though. In fact, if, if all of the, everything that was ever thrown at us were words, like, I don't know, let's take the Bible, for example. If If all that was ever said to us were words that were not backed up by action uh, from Jesus, then the fulfillment of those words through action, if it didn't happen, our humanness would never allow us to believe in him. Because God is infinite. He has infinite wisdom and he knows this about us. This is why he says to test him. This is why he continues to prove himself over and over to us, even though he doesn't have to, because he is God. Uh, I don't know about you, but I still at times am shocked, awed, stunned, just humbled when he shows up in big ways and even in little ways that just, I, I just have to sit there and say, oh my gosh, this is my God. Things would have been really bad, but God. And I shouldn't be amazed because he has never failed me. He's the same yesterday, today, and will be forever. But I'm still amazed. And that's because he still shows up. So Jesus would have been just a nice character in a book that we read if his love didn't turn red on the cross. If the tomb hadn't been found empty and if he didn't walk through the wall in the upper room or rise up to the heavens when he ascended no one would have believed we wouldn't be talking about him today it wouldn't be in a book that is the best-selling book of all time not so sure what I'm talking about I'm talking about how Jesus died for us he was risen he came back to instruct his disciples and he ascended and he will return again so we have a record of not just his words in the Bible, but his actions, it's the word, his words and actions tell our hearts, our spirits and our minds that he's our savior. He's our Messiah, our King of Kings. And if God's actions hadn't met, matched the word, then we would not believe them. We would not have faith. We would not know the truth from a lie. So actions are extremely important. However, I contend what I said a second ago, words matter. I recently did a podcast episode titled Name Calling. Why? Because there is power in our words. What we call ourselves makes a difference. It makes a difference in our today, in our tomorrow, and, and, and in our minds and our spirits. It just does. As much as we'd like to think that words are no big deal, they're a big deal. They can help heal someone else's heart. They can sh tell someone about love. They tell someone about the Lord. They can also hurt someone gravely. The world at large seems to think that words don't matter anymore. You can cuss someone out and then act like it's no big deal. You can take the Lord's name in vain and use it like it's any old world word and, and hurl it like it's something vile. And people don't seem to care in this world anymore. But the fact is, those words matter. You can use your words to lie and manipulate and, and be mean. And then the next day, be all nice about it. And people won't care. 
Now, we should be forgiving, but we should pay attention to the words. And when the words don't match with the actions, we got a problem. Houston, we got a problem. <laughs> the Bible has more than a few choice words about words. <laughs> Proverbs fifteen eleven says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Why? Because there's power in them, our words, people. Proverbs 15.4 says, The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. And Proverbs 16.24 states that gracious words are a honeycomb. They're sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Wow, if only we could plaster those words across the screen before anyone anywhere, everywhere posted something on social media, huh? Or, you know, as a caution, warning, warning, this is what happens. Your words can be like a honeycomb and they can be sweet or they, and they can heal. Watch how you say things. Watch what you say. Or, or, or I don't know, a big banner at the grocery store before anyone says anything harsh to someone else in a grocery store. Because sadly, I was witness to some harsh words in a dollar store this past weekend a man probably, I don't know, in his late 50s was yelling at the clerk as I was heading in. And he was heading out of the store while he was yelling at her that she was rude and un-American. He proceeded to let her know what a horrible witch she was, only he didn't use that word. He used one that rhymed with it, and it was not ditch. Um, he just yelled that at her and called her that because she wouldn't break a $100 bill for him. Now, the store's policy is they don't break hundreds. It's plastered everywhere. Do I like it? No, because I, I wish we could use cash more. But he was going on and on about the financial issues in this country as if it was her fault and how he never pays with a card. Okay, I get it. I like to pay with cash too. Doesn't seem like we'll be able to do that so often in the future though if you open your eyes and if you're paying attention because if you have cash and you're dead set on paying for things in cash, then you should already... 100% without a doubt know that most establishments will not break $100 bills and a lot of them won't break 50s anymore. They keep less cash on hand and most patrons use cards. Breaking a $100 bill can cause one person at a cash register not to be able to accept any more cash the rest of the day. So if this man would have calmed down and used his words politely, he would have known that the clerk agreed with him and she was keeping track of the number of people who asked to break 50s and 100s. So hopefully their store policy could change to reflect the clientele in that particular store. But he was fast and loose with his words and he was easy to anger. He was harsh and judgmental. He left the clerk in tears. This is how I know all this other information because I went up to her and told her I was going to pray for him and pray for him. And she said to him, she said to him, even in his anger, she said, I'll be praying for you, sir. And that seemed to make him matter. You know, it's so easy to do, isn't it? To just snap and be judgmental. It's so easy to do it because the more we see other people do it, they come slinging out with words that hurt and are harsh the easier it is to think it's okay for us to do it too. We get used to seeing it, and the more we see it and hear it, the more likely we are to do it ourselves. But words have more than just power to make a clerk in a store well up with tears. They can help keep peace. They can create wars. They have more power than the ability to soothe others or, or stir them up. Words are also a testimony to what lies in someone's heart. 
Our words and actions are an extension of our thought life and our heart life. Our words are an open tell, really, for anyone who is observing us. They definitely tell others what the condition of our heart is, be it in a a temporary condition or a permanent heart condition that we have. Matthew 12, 36 through 37 says, But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. And let us not forget Ephesians 4, 29. It's an oldie but a goodie. (laughs) Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's so, I mean, oh, wow. That's so hard to do, isn't it? It's a tough one. We all fall short at times. We all let our mouths and our brains and the the things that we let come out of our mouths go to a bad place at times. And we have to go to the Lord and just repent and ask him to give us strength and, and direction to keep us from slinging out nasty stuff out of our mouths, right? We don't want unwholesome talk. We don't want to be judgmental to other people. We all fall short at conquering our mouths and what flies out of them. This is why it's so important to go back to the word, to get the word on how God wants us to use our words, because there is power in the words. Does this mean that God doesn't want us to joke around or have a sense of humor or get goofy, sing songs, laugh till liquids spew out of our nostrils? No, it doesn't say that, but we can watch how our humor comes across. We can measure it a bit better, who we poke fun at and how and why. What are your motivations behind your sense of humor? Is it because you're digging at someone else or trying to insult them? That's important too. Are you actually just being funny? Because there's a newsmaker out here, friends. Ready? Here's a newsmaker. A lot of people who think they're funny these days just are not. They're cruel. They think being mean-spirited and attempting to make fools of other people or themselves is a base for humor. But it's just not. And it leads to some pretty hurt feelings. Again, to say that words can never hurt someone is a falsehood. But someone, somehow... Somewhere in this world, we've come to a place in our culture where words are tossed and thrown around as if they do not matter. Words are thrown out as if they can't, you know, that they can't have power, but they do have power. And people throw them out like they can instantly be retracted and then everything's fine. Or just a simple sorry for saying those particular words makes it all better. It's not so. Words do matter, and heartfelt apologies are important, but again, God didn't make us dumb. We can all tell when an apology is given because it's an obligation or because someone is afraid that they'll have a backlash rather than something that's heartfelt coming straight from contrition, straight from a place where they feel like, oh yeah, I did hurt someone and I really didn't mean to. Words don't just matter as as far as if you say the right words at the right time, but also if you say a word incorrectly, which can throw off the meaning of your sentence and cause you not to communicate well. As an example, it makes a big difference when you're writing something and you use the word there because it could be T-H-E-I-R or it could be T-H-E-R-E or it could be T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E. Each one sounds the same, 
as the next one, but they look different and they all have different meanings. There are a lot of words that, that are that way, not just in the English language, but since that's the one I speak, I'll talk about that one because it can be confusing, especially in the English language or when you're translating from one language to another. So the words you say, how you say them, how you write them, the inflection in your voice when you speak them and whether or not you get them grammatically correct and in the right order makes all the difference in the world. This is extremely important when you're communicating with someone face to face, as well as when you're writing or translating something. This is why we have so many versions of the Bible as in different translations, because words that are used at different time periods and culture will have a different meaning from one area to the next. For example, when I was younger, if you used the word bad, it meant good. <laughs> Man, those are some bad looking shoes you got on. But 20 years or 30 years before that, the word bad just meant bad, as in awful, horrible. Then we moved into another decade when the word sick meant it was disgusting and something was horrible and someone was ill or nauseous. But then fast forward 30 years into the future and the word sick meant something is really cool or awesome. Man, those are some sick shoes. It's no different now than it ever has been from the beginning of time. This is why words are so important and not just how we say them and the slang at the time or the cultural significance, but also what we really mean by them. You know, there are many words we use in America that have a completely different meaning in other countries. And if you throw one of those words out around someone who's from a different culture, you might just get something you didn't want. Like if you were at a restaurant or maybe you might even get slapped. I don't know. <laughs> For example, if you tell someone from Europe that you want chips, they're probably going to give you what we would call French fries because to them fries are chips. And if you tell someone from Ireland that you want a ride, expect to go back to their place for a little romance because you may mean you want them to give you a ride to work in a vehicle, but they think it's something a little bit more intimate than that. And I remember when I was probably in elementary school, we wore thongs on our feet. Does anyone else remember that term? Well, they still use that term in England. Here in the good old USA, however, sometime in the past 30 years, that term was changed to flip-flops and the word thong is used for something that gives you an instant wedgie. Um, so, and if you're visiting a family in Europe and they want to know where the dummy is so their infant will stop crying, they don't mean their underpaid nanny. They mean a pacifier. So words matter. Uh, and on the topic of words, of course, I'm going to talk about the word in the Bible, but I'm also going to talk about things that have inspired me to love words and fall in love with words and to understand the significance of them. Some of them are humorous things that have happened in my life and some are serious things. And those are the things I talk about a lot throughout this podcast. And one of those humorous things has to do with what I consider the misspelling of a word, the misuse of a word, the making up of a word, but it's also a cultural slang terminology that quite frankly is an issue I've had to learn to deal with because my husband and I were raised differently and he uses that word and I do not. I've lived all over the country and I've moved many times in my life so far. My terminology and uses, usage of words is pretty different than his. And it comes from really picking up words from various cultures across the United States. But my husband is a country boy. He was born in the South. And even though he lived out West for a while and was in the Air Force for a time period, most of his life has been lived in the South. So his grammar, 
His terminology and his slang is completely different than mine. This has caused a few communication issues over the years. You can well imagine. Thankfully, after much trial and error, we most of the time work well together and have learned to communicate better over the years. It's not always perfect, but you know, there are times I have to look back and just laugh because my precision in, in how I speak and what I say and my way of looking at words is completely different than his. Most of the time, unless I'm joking around and being a smart aleck, I mean what I say and I say what I mean. I don't leave much room for variation or interpretation or assumption or innuendo in there. But my husband is completely opposite of that. And I know you're so shocked that two people could be married and be so opposite, right? <laughs> but okay, so here's an example of what I'm talking about. If I'm going to eat a nice lunch with two pieces of bread, gluten-free bread, by the way, two pieces of gluten-free bread, piled high in the middle with turkey cheese, a little bit of mustard and a slice of Swiss cheese. That is what I would call a sandwich. My husband would call that a sandwich. That's right. Sandwich. S-A-M-M-I-C-H, which is not a word. Um, so I'm guessing that's how you spell it. That's the way I've seen it spelled before. Yes, that is a non-word in my opinion. Uh, some of you may be saying to yourself out loud in the car, so what's the big deal? But some of you may be groaning with me or having an inner scream. No, not sandwich. I, I hope there's more of you saying that than not. Um, I can't stand it when someone uses the slang term sandwich instead of sandwich. Oh, there's something about it that drives me crazy. And of course, I married someone who says sandwich. I've told him sandwich is not a word. It's sandwich. It used to drive me even crazier than it does now. Um, and I ended up one day having a whole literary pronunciation discussing, discussion with my husband over the word sandwich, which of course made his testosterone go like, ha ha ha, something to drive this female crazy. So of course, he not only continued to say it, but delighted in it. And he still does delight in it when he says it. One day we actually had an argument over it. Oh my gosh, it was so ridiculous. And it was horrible. Yeah, that that's what I would call one of those estrogen versus testosterone stupid moments. You know, one of those fights you get into for no reason whatsoever, other than the fact that you're right and he's wrong. <laughs> and you know you're right and you want to prove you're right. <laughs> and your estrogen is saying, go get the dictionary, Karen. <laughs> go get the dictionary. Google it. Write it down. This was a few years ago. Um, and now the dictionary is no help whatsoever because sandwich has officially been added to the English dictionary. <clears throat> Not by me, by some redneck man, I'm sure. But um, after a ridiculous amount of energy arguing and, and amount of time it took for me to convince my husband and his testosterone that they were wrong about the word sandwich, we made up. We meshed, we hugged it out and, and my estrogen was singing inside. I'm right. You're wrong. Ha, ha, ha. And we decided to chalk that up to stupid things we argue about and move on. So we decided we were going to just enjoy the rest of the day that day and go out to dinner later. And when we did, we walked into this nice new pretty Irish pub that we'd been wanting to go to. And right there at the front door was a chalkboard sign that read, enjoy our new double-decker sandwich of the day. So thanks to the poor grammar and English skills of the marketing person at the Irish pub, the word sandwich is now forever used in my household. Um, I did not say I was wrong, but obviously other people agreed with him, so he felt he was right. So this is the day I realized that words can not only be powerful tools to convince others, 
that you're right and they're wrong or vice versa, they can also cause you some joy and laughter and some good memories. But there's another way that words are powerful and that's through prayer. James 5:16 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And Jeremiah 29:12 says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Now, Romans 8:25 through 27 lets us know that when we're wordless, the Holy Spirit will help us even to groan out a prayer that we need to lift up to God because sometimes there just aren't words, right? Sometimes we feel things so deeply that we can't even get the words out of our mouth. So at times we may be searching for the right words to pray. We may not know them. All we may be able to do is groan out or cry out or shed tears and know that the Holy Spirit will intervene on our behalf and take our prayers. Even though we can't bring words to them, he will take them to the Lord. But for those other times when we know the words are deep down in us somewhere and we, we, we just can't find a way to say them and take time to, you know, or maybe we've just been lazy and we haven't taken time to stop and use them, use those words, we can turn to the word to help us. Because sometimes that helps. It sparks the words within us, right? If we read other words from the word. I know there's a lot of words going on here, huh? Um, But that's the point of this episode. So Philippians 4, 6 through 7 is a scripture I learned to pretty much cling to over the years. It helped open my eyes and my heart to the power of God's word and to the words I might be able to speak during a prayer. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So for many years, I didn't realize how important the words that we speak or the words that are in our heads and are in our hearts or that we verbalize during our prayer time really were or what power these words had. It's one of the reasons why words are so important to me because when I was about 33 years old and I really decided to study the Bible and make time to pray and have a true intimate relationship with the the Lord, I realized that the words we speak can be life or death. They can carry such an impact for other people and our own lives that they also matter in our relationship with God. So what we say and how we say it to God in intimate time matters even more than what we say to other people and the words we use with other people, at other people, and towards other people. It doesn't matter if you speak in audible words out loud to God or not. He still knows your thoughts. He knows your heart, and that's what most is most important. You don't have to be speaking out loud in order to pray or praise But at the same time, we were given words for a reason. And once I grasped a hold of that fact, that the words I communicated during prayer and the way I lifted up my needs to him and the needs of other people mattered, it changed how I prayed and it changed how much prayer meant to me. Really, it changed my whole life. So I don't want you to forget today's pod quote from Joyce Meyer. Words are containers for power. You choose what kind of power they carry. I hope and pray that today's podcast is encouraging you to use the words that come out of your mouth to carry love, to carry kindness, 
to carry patience, to carry prayers that you lift up to the Lord, that you give to the Lord on other people's behalf and for yourself, because your words have power. They have the power to hurt and they have the power to heal. So I pray that you use them wisely. So till next time, I pray your words are careful when they're called for and yet carefree because of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I hope that they're just laced with laughter. Thank you so much for tuning into the Woman Inspired podcast. Don't forget, hop on out to womaninspired.com to check out all of the details out there, all of the nitty gritties there. Thank you and have a blessed week. Mm-hmm.